Uh, our scripture today comes to us from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18, and out of reverence for the written word and the word that became flesh, I'm going to ask you to stand as you're able for the reading. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. For the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So I learned this this week, that in November of 1926, the cornerstone for this sanctuary was laid. And I think this is the fourth sanctuary this church has met in to worship. And and for that one, the cornerstone was laid in November of 1926. Reverend Charles Lippum was the appointed pastor at that time, and he just so happened to be really into construction and architecture. So he ended up being the one to draw the plans and take charge of this project, this sanctuary. This is a good time to let you know that I'm not that kind of pastor. <laughs> uh, so we can all breathe a sigh of relief. And in honor of their shepherd, Reverend Lippum, the Women's Missionary Society of this church gave the money for the design and installation of the window behind me, the portrait of the good shepherd. And since then, this window has been so important to the life of this church. One of the first questions I was asked when I was appointed here was, how many sheep are in the window with Jesus? Does anybody know? 19. I know y'all count them every Sunday while I'm preaching. 19. <laughs> How many sheep are in the window? It was cool to be here at a wedding last night and, and to be a part of that covenant right underneath the good shepherd. The good shepherd was watching as Mary, Brian, and James made their covenant together. I also discovered this week a recent cookbook that the church put out a few years back, and it's called Feed My Sheep. <laughs> and it's got that image 
right on the cover. Indeed, this window has meant so much to this church and to generations. Of course, this is not the first artistic rendering of the Good Shepherd. Jesus as shepherd can be found across centuries in sculpture, in stained glass, in painting. And actually, the earliest artistic image of Jesus, or at least representing Jesus, comes from the second century, and it's in the catacombs of Rome. It's on the front of your bulletin today. If you look at that image, you turn it sideways so you can see the whole thing. This is the earliest artistic image of Jesus that has been discovered. And it's in the catacombs above the graves of Christians, and you see this image of a good shepherd with animals on either side and one around his neck. I imagine that whoever painted it could have painted or sketched Jesus on a throne or a cross or emerging from a tomb. You could have had any window up there, Jesus walking on water or serving bread and wine, images of power and wrath and judgment, but you didn't, and neither did the ones who drew that early image. Instead, they decided to depict the good shepherd caring for his sheep straight out of John chapter 10. And Darren and I were in Israel last year, and when traveling between places, we would often see shepherds with their sheep on the hills next to the road. I know it was often because Adair loved that part and would say, sheep, and we'd look. And even now, the shepherds look just as I kind of pictured them, with a cloak and headwear and a staff. And at one point, we were passing by, and I saw a shepherd with his head bowed, and the sheep were surrounding him. And it was kind of a holy image. And I leaned over to our tour guide on the bus, and I asked, what is that shepherd doing? Could he be praying over his sheep? And the tour guide looked at me and said, no, pastor, he's on his iPhone. Um, So maybe shepherds aren't exactly the same way that we once were. Every single one had an iPhone. But they are still around, and they're still tending their sheep. Shepherds are all over Scripture in story and in metaphor. In Genesis, Joseph calls God his shepherd. He's been the shepherd my whole life, my shepherd my whole life. In Exodus, Moses hears a voice from God, but before that, he's watching his father-in-law's flock as a shepherd. Okay. I'll give you two more easy ones. In 1 Samuel, Jesse presents his sons to Samuel to see who will be king after Saul. Samuel asks to meet the one son who isn't there, David, who is working as a shepherd. And he would become king and would pen one of the greatest and most read psalms in history, Psalm 23, that says, The Lord is my shepherd. Throughout Scripture, God is often portrayed as not just a shepherd, but a shepherd of Israel specifically. And Israel's priests and kings are also portrayed as shepherds, and sometimes they don't do a good job. And one of the most famous rebukes of the shepherds of Israel comes in the book of the prophet Ezekiel about 600 years before Jesus. And Ezekiel has been training to be a preacher, to be a, a, a prophet, a priest, when Babylon came and took over the city and exiled. They exiled much of the leadership, including Ezekiel, so they send him away. And this book is filled with visions that Ezekiel is to share with the people about what God wants from them and how God will judge them and other nations in the future. And at one point, God says to Ezekiel, he says, Ezekiel, and Ezekiel says, yes. And God says, Ezekiel, I want you to speak out against Israel's shepherds. Tell them that doom is coming for them. Whoa. And here's the reason why. They did not tend to the flock. They tended to themselves. And he says, they didn't strengthen the weak. 
They didn't heal the sick. They didn't bind up the injured. They didn't bring back the strays. They didn't seek out the lost. They ruled through force and injustice. So I want you to give the bad shepherds this message that I will rescue my flock from their mouths and they will no longer be their food. I will search for and find my sheep. I will save them from the darkness. I will gather and lead my sheep to abundant land. I will feed my flock in good places where they will lie down in green pastures. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strays and the strangers. I will bind up the wounded and strengthen the weak. And I will judge the bad shepherds. Then he calls them, then then he says this, I will judge these fat sheep. (laughs) Oh, and also God says, I will appoint for them a single shepherd to care for the rescued flock, to banish the predators from the land, to provide peace and safety. And as the shepherd of my flock, he will care for them and he will feed them. Does that Ezekiel passage sound familiar to anybody? (laughs) Now, I'm not calling Jesus a plagiarist by any means. (laughs) And I think he knows this Ezekiel passage and I think he knows what he's doing. He knows who he is. And also the impetus for Jesus' own good shepherd monologue and reconstruction is very similar to Ezekiel's context. In chapter 9, just a chapter prior, Jesus heals a man who was born blind. He's never known anything else. And when the religious leaders, these shepherds, find out they're angry because Jesus has broken the Sabbath law. Jesus shouldn't be healing on the Sabbath. In fact, there's this really interesting dialogue between the healed man and the religious shepherds, the religious people, and it doesn't end well. Because the healed man tries to tell them what happened. He's trying to tell them his experience, his understanding of it. This is what just happened. But the leadership says to him, you were born completely in sin. How dare you teach us? You are hereby expelled from this community. You're never coming back. Jesus overhears this and he gets mad. Because the very teachers who should be sharing God's heart who should be feeding the sheep, who should be celebrating the miracle that has occurred, they've instead thrown this healed man out of the community and these bad shepherds have scattered one more sheep. And Jesus, the one who will leave the 99 to find the one, he says to them, I am the gate of the sheep. I am the protector, the shield from those like you who have taken away from the intended abundant life. The sheep know my voice and I will lead them because I am not just the gate, (laughs) I am the good shepherd as opposed to the bad one. (laughs) I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. They know me, they know my voice and I'm here to bring them back to the flock, to bring them back together. You bad shepherds, (laughs) actually you wolves have done your best to scatter to expel the flock from the community, but I'm bringing them back into the fold. And not only them, but other sheep in other flocks. And I will be their shepherd. I will feed my sheep. I will lead them into good pastures. And I will ultimately give my life to do this. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, have become the bad shepherds, the fattened sheep, the wolves. As evidence... With the healing of the blind man, they care more about the ritual than they do about the relationship. They have become the enemies of God's true heart. These religious leaders who say one thing and do another, who preach the care of God in the world, but don't actually care. 
And Jesus' response is this, there may be some bad shepherds, but I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one that the prophets were talking about. I'm the one who feeds sheep. I'm willing to guide and lead and care for these sheep. I'm willing to care for the blind sheep and the sick sheep and the hurting sheep and the sad sheep and the hungry sheep and the grieving sheep and the lonely sheep. I'm even willing to lay down my life for them. I am the good shepherd. A preacher mentor of mine once told me that as a young minister, he often thought that what his sheep needed was a good skinning. Like you really want to get after them, tell them how it was. And he said, but as I grew older, I discovered that the world and the flesh and the devil had done that before they came my way. What they needed at my hand was a bit of healing. They needed care. They needed feeding. And they needed the presence of a shepherd. Jesus knows the wolves have been at work and the bad shepherds have done their due diligence. He knows that his sheep need help. They need care. They need looking after and they need feeding. And he has come to do some good shepherding. In the last chapter of John, this is one of my favorite parts of John, John 21. Peter and Thomas, this is after the resurrection, after the crucifixion, this is the very end of John. When Peter and Thomas and a few others go fishing, and from the beach, a stranger approaches and helps them haul in a catch of fish. Peter knows who the stranger is, and he jumps in the water, and he swims to the beach. He can't help it. He's so excited. And Jesus is there cooking fish for breakfast over a charcoal fire, not unlike the charcoal fire that was present when Peter denied he even knew Jesus. And over breakfast, Jesus asked Peter, remember what he asked him? Do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus replies, feed my lambs. Jesus asks again, do you love me? Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus answers, then take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus asks, do you love me? And Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus tells him, then feed my sheep. I've always loved that moment because Jesus is in the process of, there's, there's a special thing about that th- three, right? Jesus is in the process of redeeming Peter. He's forgiving him for the three times he denied him. And not only that, but he's restoring his dignity. He's sharing grace with his friend who had previously been disgraced. And there's some, but there's something else happening there. Jesus, the good shepherd, the one who has come to lead the sheep to green pastures, to feed them well and to care for his flock, he's now passing this mantle. He's tasking Peter with the responsibility of shepherding the future. And with a simple feed my sheep, Jesus tells Peter, I've shown you what it takes to be a good shepherd. There are plenty more sheep who are scattered, who need to hear a voice, who need to be cared for, and who need to be fed. And it's your turn. And I'd like you to give it a try. I'd like you to do some shepherding, and I'd like you to feed my sheep It's okay if you have a lack of confidence. I understand that, but please don't fear because I believe that you can do it. One preacher reinterprets the words of Jesus in this way, be a shepherd to my sheep. Represent me, the good shepherd, in a profound sense. Take my place. I am putting into your hands my dearest treasure, my flock for which I have laid down my life. 
And Peter knew that there would be no greater mark of trust than this. It girded him with a sense of mission that gave him strength through all his years. This solemn trust and high responsibility belong to every one of us. Every man is his brother's keeper. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. And so this becomes the task of all of us. He passes the shepherd's staff to Peter and his disciples and to everybody, all of us in here, and says, as I have loved you, so you should love one another. So go and make disciples, gather the scattered into the flock and feed my sheep. Be good shepherds as I have been a good shepherd to you. A lot of you know, uh, a lot of you know Gary Parrish, who will be here on Mother's Day. I'm so excited. I've never gotten to hear Gary preach, um, so I'm excited to get to hear him. He will be sharing in both services on the 14th. He was pastor here, I believe, from 93 to 05, um, and you can correct me later uh, if I'm wrong. But he, uh, and I called Gary the other day just to get his information, like, tell me your sermon title, tell me the scripture, what, what kind of hymns do you want to sing that day, anything else you want to do special that Sunday and of course, if you've ever spoken to Gary, the, the minute he, keeps, he starts speaking, you, I just start writing down everything he's saying. <laughs> it's so good. And it's so filled with love. And so Gary gave me all the details, but then he just started asking about people in this church. He said, how, how is so-and-so? And how is this person doing after that surgery? And, and tell me about this one. And tell me about that one. He just started going through sheep. Tell me how they're doing. And I remember he did ask me about one per person in particular, and I, I told him how they were doing, and, and he told me, well, I think I'm going to call him. He's been on my heart lately. I think I'm going to call him and see if he wants to just come to this little Bible study I've been doing. Because it sounds like I've gone through what he's going through. And I just want him to know that he is not alone. That's somebody who knows his shepherd's voice, who has heard his shepherd's call to feed my sheep and who took it seriously. Once a shepherd, always a shepherd. Gary has heard that call and I hope that you can hear it too. May you know your shepherd's voice. May you know that your shepherd is there to protect you, to guide, to feed, and to love you. May you know that your shepherd leads you in and out of the gate toward green pastures, and may you know that your shepherd is the gate. May you know that our good shepherd will leave all the sheep to find the one that's lost its way. And may you know that your good shepherd believes that you can follow in his footsteps. Your shepherd thinks that you can be a shepherd. Let us pray. God, we're thankful for the image that sits in this sanctuary that reminds us that who you are. You are our good shepherd. Keep us mindful of that, O oh God, and give us courage. Give us a way to continue in your footsteps to be who you have called us to be and to do a little shepherding ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.